0: Okay, post show. Post show. Do you want to drink anything?
1: I'll I'll have a little bit. Well, I'm gonna have a little bit of the uh,
0: of, signature. Yeah,
1: the signature. Don't don't uh, drink that while I'm gone.
0: Do you want to open it or do you want to save it? I mean, we drink a little bit more. It's going to be less good the next time you come back. That's all I'm saying. I won't. Yes. Be...
1: No. Yeah, I agree. But but okay. I'm saying don't drink it. I won't. Over, over you know the week that I'm gone no no
0: I understand but I'm just saying the the less headspace in the beer the better it saves yes yes I know
1: but I want some of this now okay so you're allowed to have some now <laughs> oh boy okay so we, we decided to do we haven't done it in a while we decided to do a little bit of Amazon Anonymous
0: yes you said you had an item so what's your right I
1: did uh, someone purchased uh a forty eight pack of Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lots of Easter bas- baskets to fill. I,
1: I'm not sure whether whether I like the idea more that it's you know, distribute or that someone, just, <laughs> someone just, loves oh, Cadbury oh. cream eggs.
0: I remember as a kid, like, the commercials were on TV, mm-hmm. and there was the balking rabbit.
1: Mom, I want those so yeah, much! Yeah.
0: And you get them, and they're this big sugary mess inside.
1: It, it, that's what it is. It, it's it's this... I mean, it's so sweet. It's like... it it It, it somehow... It pulls the life out of you. Whatever that's inside of there, it feels like it's like sucking your soul out of so. it. It's the osmotic pressure yeah, of the yeah, sugar, yeah. right? It's basically. Yeah. It, it's,
0: it's, it's, the osmotic pressure is so strong, it pulls your soul out of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you picked?
0: I'm going to pick. Let's go with the bicycle frame. Some dude yeah. bought a richie wcs road some dude or gal brought a richie WCS a dude ever, i mean it road logic steel road bike frame set just a frame
1: thousand bucks
0: and uh we get a cut of that six and a half percent of a thousand bucks um so, hopefully, he, I missed where he bought the pedals and the handlebars and the wheels and the chain and the derailleurs and the seat. Well, he had all that. Oh, he already had that. <laughs> or, or he bought it. I just didn't see it yet.
1: No, um, just, yeah, I think it's great.
0: So, I, I I didn't mention this because it's an amazing windfall for us. But, like, it's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. someone bought a bare bicy- a bicycle frame on Amazon. Like, I wouldn't have considered that. The other thing I saw was someone... of you thought
1: people want to buy books. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there were five windshield wipers purchased, which yeah. I thought was an interesting number at first. Like five? But it's probably a person with two cars, and the uh, one car probably had a back wiper. But uh, I had fun thinking about five windshield wipers for a second.
1: All right, so let's talk about this uh, Mad Max thing you wanted
0: to do. Okay, so I told you you really should watch... Mad Max Fury Road, you watched it and aborted and didn't finish because it didn't hook you. I'm like, Greg, you got to watch it. It's a good movie. And I saw your tweet and I don't think it's a good tweet.
1: So my tweet was. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, where was it? I thought it was.
0: It was. Uh, so your tweet... Mad
1: Max Fury Road was basically an episode of Touched by an Angel about Furiosa.
0: So I never, I don't know. I mean, I know "Touched by an Angel" was a TV show. Right.
1: I never watched "Touched that, by an Angel." That's all I this know. This was about an it. assumption I made. My point was not that it wasn't good because I did, I did enjoy it ultimately. Uh, my point was that it seems weird to call it a Mad Max movie when Mad Mad Max was a peripheral character at best. This oh, per- okay. Furiosa was the main character of this movie. Uh, she had the major arc. She had stuff going on. Mad Max just happened to be around. Well,
0: oh, okay, so he was around, but I mean, most of the framing and scenes—I mean, there was probably more more pointed towards Mad Max than I think. Fury. I think, think Fury. I, Furio- I, I think Furiosa stole the show. I think. It, but like the movie starts out
1: with Mad Max. Yes, it starts. And with like a...
0: even when Furiosa is having great scenes, the camera is still mostly pointed at Mad Max.
1: Well, that's why I'm saying it was like a touched by an angel episode because that that revol- I mean the, the Michael Landon character was the oh, okay. the main character, okay. but it, it, he wasn't. He was just sort of going through people's lives, and it was sort of about these people's okay. lives that okay. he changed, and and it was about those people. So it, it was it was like an episode of Mad Max. But it really was about Furiosa. Just Mad Max played a peripheral role in, in in the plot. That was my point. it was, okay. was, it was like it, it felt like that. Well,
0: she definitely turned into a lead character. It just was not expected. She stole the character, right? I mean, the the way the movie worked out. I'm not saying her. I'm not saying Charlize Theron's performance stole the movie. I'm saying the character. Stole your expectations. Well, well, the, the she char- stole your expectations. That was
1: what the, the movie was about. That character. The movie was yeah. not about. Man well, that's Max. it.
0: That's yeah. it. But I'm saying, but you didn't know that going into no, it. No, they weren't really framing it that way until she stole it. Right. So she stole your expectations in the movie.
1: Yeah, but it, it was it was really interesting to me that at the end, of the, you know, it's a Mad Max movie. Like, well, I mean, I don't really even I, I haven't seen the other Mad Max movies. I don't even know who what Max's character was. other than, okay, he's a badass. Right, I get that much, mm-hmm. but other than that, he's a badass who's you know the thief with the heart of gold, essentially. Uh, I mean,
0: I haven't seen the other ones in the new lineage either. Uh, I've seen the old one with Tina Turner like ages ago. <laughs> uh, Mel Gibson, right?
1: Yeah, Mel Gibson.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a fun. It was a fun ride. It, it,
1: it was. It was a fun ride. It, it. It took me some time just to 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 get through the, um, the part that's supposed to be gross, but I, I had to sort of get used to mm-hmm. that, like the the beginning part where I was like, oh god, why am I watching this nonsense?
0: Yeah. Once I get out on the road, it, yeah. it gets exciting, and
1: um, it doesn't really stop. It. It. It's. It's a. Uh, it, it's a, it's a fair it, it's a movie that that really doesn't really it doesn't, it doesn't take time to stop and, and and sit back and let you like
0: well no there's like things that just yeah. don't make any sense but you just have to chalk yeah. it up as the universe like, yeah. like how they worship the leader guy and he sprays them with chrome in their teeth and oh yeah and, well
1: that that I <laughs> love no but, but what I mean is that it's 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 very I mean there, there's no there's no point in the movie where it's like introspective and it's like sitting back and looking back and saying hmm right let's uh you know let's take a a, a long deep shot of this desert, and let's spend some time getting used to getting to know these characters no no it's it's very much the story moves 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 it doesn't it doesn't stand um at any point the only point that really has a a place where you can say it uh it stops a little bit is just the the atonement with the father bit where you know she gets to they get to the green the, the to to the place she wants to go and it's not. Mm-hmm.
2: It's not green. It's yeah.
1: not green. That's uh, you know, um, it's the only point where it's like, okay, we got to stop moving just to pivot, and now we're gonna keep moving again. Uh, so it, it, it's very, um, yeah. I, I I ultimately did enjoy it. it. It was just funny to me that ultimately it was like, at the end of the movie, it's like, well, what the fuck was Mad Max? <laughs> well, I I don't disagree. Yeah.
0: I don't disagree. I mean, he really was. He was nearly inconsequential mm-hmm. to the advancement of the plot. Other than him, he enabled some success. Yeah,
1: but that could have been any character. It didn't have yeah. to be the Mad well, Max character. Well the, the,
0: the, the crazy, you know, minion yeah. you know helped enable success too because he defected, mm-hmm. right? So. right? Right,
1: right. It it just it happened to be going on in the Mad Max universe, so they put Mad Max in there. But there was it could have been a Mad Max universe movie without Mad Max in it. At all, and and not lose anything. How, so, how
0: about those vehicles, though, man?
1: I, I'm not a big vehicle. I know, poor but, guy, just, but
0: just just just. I mean, those were all practical effects, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they built all those crazy fucking cars, including the one with the. Guitar, bass player and strung bass up on it.
1: Guitar player on it, which I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna be like so. When I first saw it, I was like, "That's so stupid." And then ultimately, I was like, "Okay, I actually kind of get it." If you're in this world because uh, they had these, those drum guys and mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great he's way a minstrel to, right he, he, well he's he's like you know the, the, he's if you think about the, the cavalry guy there's a guy on the horn yeah, is yeah, or it. the
0: fife you know like yeah. you go back to revolutionary cavalry time he's the guy on the trumpet yeah. um, revolutionary time he's the guy on the uh, fife
1: Right, he's he's playing the he's given the orders. It, it, he's he's communicating mm-hmm. because you can't do a, a complex. I'm communication with you. I'm like, but...
0: oh my god, that's so dumb,
1: and then you're like, that's so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. No, it it, it, it makes sense. The the, the the I I got the world and and this the spray paint. Giant thing, Marshall
0: stacks on that truck.
1: Oh man, <laughs> This Ray paint thing I thought was actually kind of a cool touch. He Was like, yeah, we're we're gonna. We're, we're, in order to, because we're we're using people, so in order to get them to do this stuff, we'll just give them a blessing. We'll 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 we'll, we'll you know what is it uh, when people huff paint? Like we'll yeah. just uh, we'll 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 cloud their mind up with nonsense and and
0: uh, I, I think. Yeah, sure. They might have huffed some of the the, but I think it was mostly a blessing, right? It was just a, a crazy out there blessing, shiny and chrome. You know,
1: it it, it could be, it could be yeah. both. I mean, it it, it could be sim. It, it's a symbol, and 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 it has use, and all those other things.
0: Well, sure. Like, I mean, if you get sprayed by your mat, your your yeah. your lord, you know, you've got the blessing. You know, you, you know, basically. It's your duty to, to die with honor at that yeah, point, you yeah. know. So I mean I think go back that, to feudal times. Yeah, that's right? the
1: point where all of a sudden you, you know, you're king sprays, you're proud to be a pawn, even mm-hmm. though you know you're a pawn. Yeah. Yeah. And pawns are there to be sacrificed, that's the whole point of pawns. Right. Um Yeah, so I did enjoy it, but yeah, like I said it was it a was... really
0: good mashup gift when Star Wars came out. It took um um, Captain Phasma and put the chromed mask on that guy. <laughs> He's getting sprayed.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see what else do we have. Um... Okay, so I did. I did have this uh, somewhat um, introspective tweet. I, I, this is this is a a. A presupposition I have toward towards how the world works, and it's it, it's the first assumption. It, it, it's the only. It, it's one of the only assumptions I make. But uh, uh, the assumption I believe is true. Uh, by assumption, I mean I don't have I don't have actual evidence this is true. But it's something I believe is true. Uh, reality is maybe currently inscrutable, but it's never actively trying to deceive you. I saw that one. Yeah. So the idea here is that you can examine the stuff. Nature may work in weird ways that you don't get, but nature itself isn't trying to deceive you. It's just doing whatever it's doing, and you're there trying to figure it out. Uh, and I think that that's the that's kind of the 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 Feynman esque way of looking at the world.
0: I um, hear what you're saying, but it, it's a harder thing for humans to make sure their observations are not being tainted with. Oh uh, yeah, prejudice and things like that, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. that's the hard thing. Um, oh, so
1: it—I mean, because well, we're used to people—we're used to people and and things trying drag- to—we're used to a world that kind of actively does try to deceive you in some sense. Um, whether it's other creatures who are trying to hide from you, or, or whether it's people who are trying to, even just white lies—you know, the, just regular communication with people—the mm-hmm. um, the. the the idea behind methodological naturalism is that when you get down to this point, well, look, a magician, a magician is always trying to deceive you, but making it look natural. But but, but methodological naturalism is is that the world is not trying to deceive you, mm-hmm. and so you can so you can come up with a way to explain all the stuff with uh, with a supernatural force, and just say, well, the supernatural force just doesn't want you to know about it, so it's trying to deceive you. And in that sense, yeah. Methodological naturalism will not work if that's the case. So the 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 primary assumption is, yeah, the world is not trying. Ultimately, reality is not trying to deceive me. If it is, if it's a if it's a matrix, then it's all for naught, and uh, and nothing is real.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I I agree with what you have to say. Part of it's obvious, but I mean, part of it probably needs to be reinforced. especially like you said the world people live in where you have politicians and magicians trying to deceive you right you know you need to know that nature has all the cards on the table and it doesn't have anything up its sleeve but you might um you might um come to the wrong conclusions because of your own prejudice
1: or you just don't know that there's a mechanism here. Sure, or you're missing something completely.
0: Yeah. Uh, but but again, it, you know, it comes back to a prejudice of sorts, right? You're like, well, like this. I think this makes sense. This this mm-hmm. has gotta be it. But you're just missing a facet. You know, it's just like when tasting these beers. Really, you know, as soon as you're exposed to a certain facet of it, you're like, oh, that's more likely than that. You know, it's more likely that it's a, a spicy hop or a hop than you know. Whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about here, real quick. Um, so, Allie in school in her science unit, they were teamed up in pairs, and they were asked to devise a way to best melt an ice cube. Mm-hmm. And Allie's teammate suggested they bring their winter coats in and wrap the winter coats around the ice cube to melt it because winter coats are warm. Ah. And Allie, she's, she likes science, but she's also a very kind person, right? She's never going to tell person, you know, anyone that that's a bad idea. So she went along with
1: it. Well, but also that sounds reasonable.
0: It does sound reasonable. because. So I haven't told her i'm like you know i'm I'm encouraging her I'm like take good notes write down your hypo. Yeah. you know she they do they write down the hypothesis they write down the results mm-hmm. I'm like just take good notes and good observations let me know how that works out for you
1: i remember a, a mythbusters quote which I, I always loved which is the the difference between having fun and science is writing stuff down <laughs>
0: That's great actually. But, you know, it's like, oh, because Ellie's like, yeah, someone else suggested they put the ice cube in their mouth and she was laughing about it. I'm like, they're going to win. <laughs> that person is going to win. Yeah. And you're going to lose because you're insulating your ice cube with yes. your winter coat. <laughs> but I didn't tell her that yet. Yeah, I no, wonder want no. I wanted to learn.
1: Um, yeah, it, it's it, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, what what melts an ice cube faster? Is it putting it into an oven, or is it putting it under cold running water? Well, it's cold running water. That's a, that's a, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a
0: tricky one, right? I mean, that's very unintuitive. But you know, when you think about uh, uh, transmitting con- or uh, conducting the energy mm-hmm. from one thing to another, even though the water is much colder than an oven, yeah, it, it makes sense. So I can't. They were supposed to do it on Friday, but. Uh, their plans changed, so I guess we're going to do it sometime this week. And it's, it's funny because, well, it's really good. The teacher had the kids come up with their plans and write them down before they went home. So, like, mm-hmm. no parents would say, Coates, you fucking idiot. No way. Like, I can't change it, right? Yeah. And,
1: uh, well, it's great because, yeah.
0: Well, no, she needs to learn. You that, need
1: to get things wrong to learn. You, you know, And
0: I'm, I'm going to have a post-mortem with Allie. Uh-huh because i don't know if she'll get that in school i don't know if she'll learn in school why a right. coat was such a bad idea oh it's funny she put the night before thursday night she put a winter coat on the heating vent and then she's like oh wait we don't have science to the end of the day but she was thinking that if she had science early in school that you know making the coat hot at eight in the morning would work at 10 o'clock you know <laughs> um So, you know, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of things to unpack here. Well, there is. I mean, like you
1: have to, I mean, how do you explain to Allie, okay, there are three methods of, of heat transfer. There's convection, there's conduction, there's radiation, and you're dealing with,
0: uh, we just got to have the conversation, right? I mean, that's, I'm looking forward to having the conversation, Mm -hmm. the post-mortem of, okay, here's what you thought was a good idea, or your friend thought was a good idea. First off, I want to see if she thought it was a good idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if she was just going along.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if that's all you understand about the world, and that's all I would expect Allie really to understand. But that makes sense. This makes you warm. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it do Multiple that to cube. an ice cube? That
0: I get it. The, I know, I yeah. know. And yeah. so there's a conversation to be had there, right? There's absolutely a conversation. I can't wait to have it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like I said, I'm I'm there. I'm smiling. I'm encouraging her, and I'm like in my, inside my head, I'm like. Oh really? <laughs> Come on, you can do better. Uh, but we'll have the conversation about it and go from there. Uh, another thing, we've talked about the Wildcrats on with yeah. you before. It's that PBS show where naturalists and whatnot. So uh, last on Monday, on this past Monday, they were here in Pittsburgh doing Wildcrats live at the Benedum. Oh my god, were the kids like ecstatic? Like we didn't tell them where they were going. Until we got there. And like their heads, like. Pfft. And Allie's like on the edge of the seat, like cheering them on and whatnot. It was good. I was hoping there was going to be a portion of the show that was going to be Chris and Martin Kratt, TV makers and naturalists talking to the kids. And not all Chris and Martin Kratt, the Wildcrats. Uh, nature superheroes, where it was all the nature superhero yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, it was still good. It's still for it, kids. For, it's and There still was for, there was good like, education kids. in there. Like they still talked about traits of the animals. Mm-hmm. They did. I don't know how much you remember, but they have this thing where there's um. It's. They have a scientist on staff who makes creature power suits, right? And then they put on the suits. I
1: I don't know. I haven't I don't remember anything. Okay. 'cause I've never right. seen it. So well we've talked about it. Before, we've talked about it but, but I
0: don't remember. But you don't remember it. So so um if they're doing cheetahs, right? They get a creature power suit that Aviva makes, Aviva's their scientist, um, for cheetahs and they put in the disc, they touch a cheetah, they turn into a robot type cheetah type thing, and they have the traits of the cheetahs and they teach the kids about the traits of the animals. Do it for beavers, mm-hmm. whatever, right? And the other part of the show is there is three different villains that are one's a, a fashion person who's always trying to get the pelts of the animals. The other one's a chef who's trying to eat endangered species. And the last one is a technological guy, always trying to enslave animals to make <laughs> technology. Um, and he has robots, evil minion robots. Um, what was I... Getting toward well,
1: you said that you you you, ex- you wanted it to be a little bit more than it was in terms well, of well, well,
0: yeah, there was that, but there was something else I wanted to explain to you.
1: Well, my question about that one is, and if you go to Disney on Ice, you don't,
0: no, you don't, yeah, <laughs> and that's what it was. Yeah, it was much more educational than Disney on Ice, right? They still went over the creatures' traits and things right. like that, right?
1: But, but you don't expect it to be. Oh, and by the way, we're gonna tell we're gonna teach you about friction and. I hear you. I know, <laughs> so. hear yeah. yeah. kids loved it. Yeah. Max
0: is asking when are they coming back. <laughs> like not for a very long yeah. time. Uh, there was a optional. You could have got the meet and greet, but it was gonna be a hundred bucks a person, and w- we would have had to have paid at least for th- to the two kids and one parent to get in. Mm-hmm. I would have loved Alley to be able to talk to Chris and Martin Kratt, but the, I just could not justify. The cost.
1: I get it. Why bother? Yeah. And and Allie's like, oh, I
0: would have loved to talk to them. But she's like, I understand it was really expensive. So so she was fine with it. Uh, Max was really into it. It was probably aged a little bit under. Like, the TV show is fine for an Uh eight-year-old. And Allie enjoyed the stage show. But I feel that it was probably aged down a year or two. Like six year old was probably that's, the main target. That's fine. So,
1: yeah, All, Allie can you know, can, can conceptually bring herself down. She was, if she was 12, she'd be bored, but she's not. Yeah, she was loving it.
0: Uh, anything else I want to say about the Wildcrats live? Uh, oh, there are 26 new episodes coming out, which is, I mean, the kids love it so much. You know, new animals are going to do the pangolin, they're going to do the narwhal. Uh, Archer fish. So,
1: there's a there's a science question for you. If you want to do another science thing, there's a conceptual question. Do you want to try on it? PBS Space Time? Yeah. Or?
0: We can't. Let's let's wait a moment. Um, got a few other things I want to talk about. Finally thought of some things. Okay. I do want to do it, but um, Trump doesn't seem as crazy as he did a month ago. I told you. Have you just watched him? Uh, I think so. I, think I told seen... you that
1: when you watch him, there's a different sensibility than if you just hear about him. There, there's okay. a you get you get it. I mean, it's not like I I'm not a supporter of Trump at oh, all. No, no. But but he's pivoting. You get why people are drawn to him. I mean, he understands the reality show the how how to how to bring out that that part that that people enjoy. He he understands entertainment. Uh, and, and yeah, of course he's pivoting. He's got, I mean, he's got a general election to win, ultimately. Yeah,
0: but, I mean, we thought, I thought that this guy would not be good at pivoting. I thought he was good at being brash and bullying. He's and... an
1: entertainer.
0: Yeah, no, no, um, it's, and, and also it seems like it's, inter- like, more, like, the Republican establishment that is getting behind him is shocking me. I just didn't see this change. I, there's and... still
1: going to be some kind of fight there, but the dominoes are falling, right? And it's like they're falling his way. Yeah. And it, it's going to take a, a major thing to cause it to to, to be interrupted.
0: There's, there's two Donald Trumps. There's the bully, and there's the one who's more more cerebral, (laughs) and I'm endorsing the one who is cerebral. Who said that? Ben
1: Carson. Really? Yeah. Exactly like that, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know. The the, the weird thing, you know, I get the vibe. I'm, I'm not. I'm not in any way a predictor of, of these kind of things. I'm often wrong about these kind of things. I get the vibe that it's Trump's election to lose.
0: Um, it's his nomination to lose. I don't. No, have, I mean, like, really? Well, I know, but I'm for me personally, I don't have enough information to know whether. Because, like, it seems like while. Trump, it it seems like he only has like, you know, 30% popularity or something.
1: Right, but as as Nate Silver mentioned, that's not his ceiling, that's more like his floor. And the reason why that's the case is because that may be his, his ceiling when there are other people around in the Republican Party, but when, if he's the nominee... Then a lot of those Republicans are going to be voting for him as opposed to voting for for Bernie. Right. And it seemed like so, you
0: know a week ago or two weeks ago that contested convention, the GOP is going to put out an establishment, you know, and shut down this guy. And like in the past couple of days, it sounds like much of that GOP is like, okay, fine. Trump. Well, the
1: GOP has realized that they have no good options. They have Trump who is making a mockery of, of the GOP, but...
0: Or it's going to be, oh, the GOP knows better than the citizenry, and they're going to put out an establishment candidate when the citizenry wants, you know... Right,
1: right. The, the, the GOP's three realistic options are they go with Trump and they, and they just say, well, maybe we can turn him into something. There's Cruz who that no Republican likes. No one. <laughs> no one likes Ted Cruz literally no one uh, at all Like there, there are four people in the country who like Ted Cruz uh, in terms of people who actually know him there are voters who like Ted Cruz but they don't know him uh, no one else likes him uh, and then there is Mike Rubio who is like as close to an empty suit as you can get he is bought and paid for and is simply a suit that uh, that happens to have some sort of like you know pink thing in, in inside of it to keep it up, uh, and and as as you watch him, you see that it's that that's all it is. It is just presenting uh, an image. It is like even worse than Mitt Romney. It is like just <laughs> I will say whatever the people who are who are bankrolling me will say. I should say, and that's it. Uh, I, I am a robot that completely you know is is totally tuned into what. Uh, what they program me to say. Uh, yeah. And that's... It. And then, yeah, the other side, you have two uh, polarizing candidates the, on the Democratic side, right? I mean, you have Hillary, who is uh, uh, still very a very much an woman. establishment character. Well, this is, I don't even think the woman... I, I
0: don't know. I think people... See, for me, it's... She's a... She's a little stiff and stodgy, but she's a reasonable candidate. But people are saying she's so extreme, and I, I just think it, well, now, well, it's two things: it's because her husband and because she's a woman. I think.
1: Well, the, the people are saying you show she's she's so extreme, we're not going to vote for anyway. So I wouldn't worry about that. But but there is the idea that well, she is just another version of the establishment, whereas Bernie Sanders is not, and that there seems to be a strong anti-establishment current running through this election. Uh, Bernie Sanders certainly doesn't have the establishment, but also he doesn't care about anything except for the economic bits, which I generally agree with Bernie Sanders and the economic bits. I just don't think these are the kind of these are things that can be changed in four to eight years, nor do I think that uh, there's any conception of, oh, there's other shit going on in the world, Bernie. You kind of have to pay attention to those kind of things too. Um... It, I I don't know. It's like, I, I'm definitely putting, Do you him think Democrat. Bernie can pivot?
0: Like if he wins the convention, I mean, I, no, no, well, I that's don't. it. I mean, that's the question, right? Because I mean, maybe he's giving him the benefit of the doubt, yeah. right? Which I'm not sure whether I should, but he's playing his democratic socialist thing now. So hard because that's his best angle to try to beat Hillary. And then once he gets it, you know, Will he get more mainstream or will he stay like super edge? You know? I, I, I feel it like feels Sanders like is ed. the
1: kind of guy who just will stay super edge. And that may have its appeal, but I don't know. But against Trump, I don't think that wins.
0: Yeah, because Trump's already getting much more moderate than yeah. he was two months ago.
1: The only thing that could really hurt Trump at this point is all the violence that just happened. And, and the, the fact that, that there is so there is so much violence happening with the people that he's doing it, and it's so white that there might be some backlash there. That, to me, looks like the best option to, to hang on Trump is that he simply is just uh, he's creating commotion, too much commotion, and we can't have that.
0: If Trump gets no black or Hispanic vote, can he win?
1: Uh, technically but probably not
0: i don't know if you heard this stat i thought it was interesting but uh, this year kindergarten enrollment is the first year where whites are not the not the majority less than 50 percent of kindergarten kindergarten enrollment is white
1: finally are we done with white people now can we can we move no, but I'm I'm
0: just saying, you know, it's it, it's a it's my mom was, you know, yeah. my mom was complaining about Chris Rock at the Oscars, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, you know, I don't get in fights with my parents about that kind of about, about old people. But I'm like, you know, it's a different country that we live in yeah. than the one that you've lived in all of your life. And I threw out that style, I'm like, you know, this is the first year where um uh, Caucasians, white people, yeah, are I, less than fifty percent of kindergarten. I will this enrollment. is
1: very easy for me as a as someone who is considered a white person to say, "I'm done with the white people. I'm I'm done with with white people being in charge and control. I'm I'm happy to move on to a situation where that's not necessarily the case. I don't necessarily mean I don't think that, that's all that's all going to be good for me, but I think it's all going to be good for the most people ultimately, and that's what I care about. I get to do that because I don't have kids. So I can care about society instead of caring about what my kids have to deal with. So uh, so I give an advantage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I I like to think that I can care about society and kids.
1: I I like to think you too, and I think you do. But I also think that there's always going to be something in the back of your mind. So it's like, well... Oh my kids well, are you know you prospect. know what I think
0: about the kids right I, I, they need to be makers right they're not gonna yeah. they're not going to succeed being in the service industry or anything like that there's mean there's not going to be any kind of white privilege that Max Riley right. can, yeah. can expect right They need mm-hmm. to be achievers and you know so that's why I'm working
1: well and, and you know what I think about that, which is that they need to, they need to find a market. Not that they need to be achievers, but they need to find what what they can sell, and that is what's important. Not okay,
0: yes, but it's also a lot easier if you have good STEM types. You know, the way just look how fast technology okay, is advancing, it, right? Yeah, but, and,
1: that, but that, that's good now. I don't know where that's going to be good in the future. Yeah. Past performance is not guarantee a future. Results. Sure,
0: sure it's um, it it's it's a better bet to have good computer yes. engineering skills yes. than to have lighting farts on fire skills. You know, and <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not being pick-a-fight, but... So no, you no, can no, find but... a market in anything, right? But if your market's in something that's going to be a lot lower likelihood of success, you know, that's... But it
1: happens. Have you heard of PewDiePie? I know it happens. I mean, these are people who get on YouTube and make millions by just... This guy's babbling over games. That's the that is the equivalent of lighting farts on fire. Yeah, it is. And but
0: there's, there's a market are... for it. Yeah,
1: uh, and and that that's that's always been the point. I've but they're still make. make he's making content, right? And he found they found the market, right? So, but he they're not. Well, I mean, and and also there are a million people who are trying to be PewDiePie and can't be. Like he got right. in at the right spot.
0: Right, but again, I, I mentioned you know a maker as opposed to someone working in the service industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a content maker. Right. You know, fell into a really nice niche has a uh,
1: yeah, a well-paying it's, job doing look, something that it, is If you it is it's not even about whether it's a well-paying job, it's about the fact that you are creating something. You, you are creating When if you create content in any way, if you create some sort of Addition to culture, then that is equivalent to creating wealth, and that means that you are expanding the wealth of the world, and that means that then you are likely to become to 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 become enriched by that, Uh, whether that's by money or or communication with other people or whatever. Um. So, you know, like I said, wealth is sort of a way of qualifying. The uh, the aspect of culture in which you're enriching, and quantitating it. In it's, some sense.
0: it's also a well trod road, right? Yeah. And how do you raise kids to be you know for the moonshot? You can't you can't raise kids, yeah. Hey, why don't you try that rock star thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. you know
0: you know you don't go for the moonshot. You you want to set them up for the well trod successful road to give them a good livelihood you know and and yeah
1: but i mean it used to be like you know 20 years ago that was you know just get your kid ready to be to, to, to go to the factory and then the factory market dropped out mm-hmm. and you know now it seems like yeah, get your kid to get in the stem but the stem market might drop out we don't know it
0: could i mean let's let's imagine that the way technology is advancing,
1: it doesn't seem like it would. We
0: well, the only way it's going to drop out is if uh, artificial superintelligence happens, and you're against that. So,
1: no, that, that's not the only way oh. it could drop out. That that's one of uh, a billion ways it could drop out. It's just it's just the one that you feel is most. Oh. I, I could see a bunch of different ways it could drop
0: out. No, I was I was being facetious, but I mean. Can it? Yeah. So the odds, I think, are really low. And if I'm going to hedge my bets on trying to encourage my kids to have a successful career,
1: oh, I've got to go that direction. I I think STEM is the right way to go. I I think STEM is your best option. It's it's you know, it's it's the it's where the heat is. Yeah, go where the heat is. Sure.
0: And and, I mean, my my feel is it's only going to. for the next forty years, it's only going to accelerate. The way things have been accelerated over the last ten years compared to the ten years prior to it,
1: I that trend's going to continue. I guess I, I think it's way more complex than that. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I haven't. I feel like I don't have a good a good way to express right now what I am feeling which is that there are a lot of pitfalls in that. But I don't, I, I can't come up with a simple way to express I mean, it right now. But, but you know, so STEM, me, STEM what, is let not, let okay,
0: so STEM, STEM is also science and math, not just engineering, yes. right? So So uh, on Friday, the reason Allie didn't do her ice cube experiment is because some naturalist from some Pennsylvania state park or something came and she brought a bunch, right in the Wildcrats type thing. She brought, like, taxidermied porcupines and, mm. and weasels and stuff. And, and Allie's telling me like all this detail that she learned from this little assembly about all these animals. And I'm like, you know, Allie, you realize that's a job you could do, right, when you grow up. She's like, oh, yeah. Because, like, like, you ask her right now what she wants to be, and one of her answers is a teacher, right? Because mm. one of You know, the women in work, the work field that she sees all day, every day is her teacher, right? So, of course, a second grader is a second grader girl thinks she needs to be a teacher. And then she sees this naturalist who comes to schools Mm -hmm. and teaches kids about animals and science, nature, biology. Like, you know, Allie, that's a job you could have. She's like, oh. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, it's. I don't know if it, you know about. I mean, you know more than I do about kids. I don't know if it's useful to talk about jobs for kids when, they're, when they're first or second. Grade. I don't know if it
0: is. is a, she's my first second grader, yeah, so I yeah, don't yeah. know. But showing her that there is a woman who is a naturalist mm-hmm. who is teaching going to schools for her right now—that's a dream job. Because of the way she's into wildcrats and animals and the stuff she knows about animals, I mean, maybe just you know the progression of generations. But I mean, the mount she knows about so many animals compared to what I knew
1: when I was eight. Does does she does she pick up on on the the man, the male and, and female thing as much as you do? That's the question. I mean, it's like you said, she's she's picking up on the teacher because she sees women. Is I, that I, really what, she, what I, she's I doing? I definitely is...
0: think it's there. So I've been reading some some research and things about this, but you know, there's girls like Allie Ally's. You ask her what her favorite subject is; it's she's going to say math right now. And there, it's not just one or two. It, it's a really, it's a trend of these girls at twelve, thirteen years old fall out of that mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, like I said, I feel that that's the successful strategy going forward. You need to keep her in STEM. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm starting now at eight. I'm worried about four years from now Mm -hmm. when culture and hormones and things like that. And, oh, there was a study. Did we talk about this? Where um, girls who were like doing standardized tests, competing against the whole class, didn't do as well as if they were told there was going to be both boy and girl um, winners. If they knew there was going to be girl winners too, they performed better on the tests. Hmm. It's a comp- it was about competition. The, the, mm-hmm. the conversation was about competition and how hiring the most competitive people might not be, you know, people who win the competitions might not give you the best workforce and things like that. It right. was, uh, and then they used some stats like that about the, the tests. Uh, a lot of the tests were in and China, India and China, but there was an American test thrown in there too. And I don't have all the details front of mind right now. But yeah, uh, girls who think that the best of the best are going to win, they perform lower on the test than if you tell them there's going to be boy winners and girl winners. If they think there's going to be girl winners, they do better overall than if they think it's just going to be the best of the best. So that that's that's sad to me that you know. But the, since
1: there's a cultural expectation that the the boys are going to do better, it's the science stuff or whatever,
0: right? And so, like, okay, I got four years and to somehow buck this trend with Allie. Yeah. She well, I wish it. you luck. She likes it now, right? Yeah. And maybe biology is going to screw me and I can't buck this trend, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe just that's just biology and I can't get through it. But, you know, I'm reinforcing as much as I can. That's, I, so that's why I mentioned yeah. about the job and the girl mm-hmm. thing. I I, I, I really I, think sex is is something that she might not notice consciously right yeah. now, but it's going to be a subconscious to conscious thing in four years.
1: Look, I, I think you're doing, as far as I can tell, the exact right thing. I, I think that also, but it, it would be... Um, it would not be good of me as a friend to to not challenge you on these things to see, sure. have you thought about this? Is this what you, you know, let, let's... Because I might even if I'm just devil's advocating something, it's like, you know, well, let's consider this. Let's, I let's hear
0: you. you know. I hear you. I'm glad we're talking about it. You know, I just gave you a, you know, most of the information that I have, uh, you know, I got four years before she's naturally going to think that she can't do math. And, and it just, it makes me want to cry because right now she, math is fun puzzles mm-hmm. that she loves to do. It's her favorite homework. It's she, fa- her favorite class. And basically what what I'm hoping I can get to is that it's going to be difficult, but remember that you like it, and when you get over that hump, mm-hmm. if you're still good at it, doors are going to be open for you.
1: Yeah. It's a hard thing to tell a kid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Stick uh, with it, right? Yeah. She, yeah. if, she sti- if she can stick with it, if, if she can stick with it, if, if, tenth grade.
1: If you can keep up her interest, if you can keep up her excitement over these things, and it's gonna wane naturally, you know, it's gonna mm-hmm. oscillate. But if you can keep up the 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 fundamental the fundamental like conceptual interest she has in these things, then then hopefully that that'll be enough.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh... She definitely has more of an interest in animals than in computer programming, right? I mean, we've done some Scratch stuff and things like that, mm-hmm. right? And it, she likes it a little, but not not enough, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, you just gotta, you know, show her that uh, like this te- this this ranger that came or whatever, you know, it's like
1: it's all the same basic idea. Right, I mean that—that's that, the beauty of of these fundamental theories like evolution is that it's all this basic, very basic idea: descent with modification. That's it, and everything builds off of that. So as long as you can reinforce that, evolution has doesn't just happen to work in biology; it works in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that—that's one of the ways we know we we one of the reasons that we think science is so. Um, Is so vastly, it's such a vastly better way of interpreting the world than other things because we can combine this stuff. We never, you can't, if you look at uh, at the other ways of understanding the world, whether it be religion or whether it be you know basic philosophy like Zen or stuff like that, you can't combine them and have them work together, Uh, you know. You can't do things like all of a sudden we have these new fields of, pro- we have fields like uh, satellite archaeology. Yeah. We can just combine those two and boom, they work because mm-hmm. the, the fundamental principles are the same. Uh, and and, and you, can, you can do that. Well,
0: I mean, satellite archaeology is very similar to any kind of big data mining, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, data's in computer. I'm going to mine that data for social or for mm-hmm. archeo- archaeological or for, you know, biological or something like that, right? I mean, once there's a huge data set, you know.
1: But the, even stuff beyond that, like. Distilling um, value
0: out of the data set. Uh,
1: uh, look at um, the culinary world. Uh, 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 using, I forget what it's called, uh, um, so using, like, scientific, you know, chemicals to to make mm-hmm. different types of food stuff because, now we know how to make these proteins stick together and, and to use this stuff. Right. We can we can combine these things.
0: Micro uh, like gastronomy? Or yeah, a, yeah
1: molecular, or gastronomy. molecular gastronomy. Molecular gastronomy. Molecular yeah. gastronomy. You, you can... Oh, you understand the chemistry of this. You can then turn... You, you, this is all just stuff that... Yeah, it, it all clicks together even though they're v- vastly disparate fields. Mm-hmm. That's another way we, we have a... You know, science seems to be working well. It's not like religion, where you have how many sects of Christianity are there that all say different things? Mm-hmm. How how many thousands of different you know basic uh, conceptions that don't that aren't compatible at all of the same thing?
0: So, what's your feel of daylight savings time?
2: Uh, you, it's
1: it's kind of worthless at this point. You you think so? Yeah. So I I, I will... daylight savings time is. Essentially, we've talked about this before, is essentially standard time now because it's eight months out of the year. It's mm-hmm. most of the year is daylight savings.
0: Right, time. right. But it, there's no uh, astronomical noon during daylight savings time, right? Because the sun's not a, directly above your head. in The is sun
1: middle... is not necessarily des- directly above your head except for one day of the year.
0: Well, no. If you live in the middle of the time zone, or the astronomical middle of the time zone you have to... during standard time, the sun is at ninety degrees from the horizons.
1: Right, but that's a uh... no.
0: So, but okay. So the reason I bring it up is, you know, most of the arguments. So, so many people with you know you or and I like science type mm-hmm. mindset, you know, are against daylight savings time. Like it's you know, there's the health you know, risks of heart attacks tonight and things like that (laughs) and and all this other shit. And it doesn't really save energy and Mm. it's just a pain in the ass. But, you know, maybe it's because I live in Pittsburgh and have always lived in Pittsburgh. I like that it doesn't get dark till like a touch after nine o'clock in July in the summertime. Okay. And, so I like having that extra daylight in the evenings outside. It um I don't know it's just a personal preference. It is a personal though. preference, yeah. but you know, so so many people that have similar views as me are so anti daylight savings time. And maybe
1: like so it's pointless busy work is, is the point. It, it's, it's an extra bit of busy work that's really not there for any reason except for some people are happy with it. I got a pee, so let me pause. Okay. Th- that's essential. I think that's the, that's the thing.
0: All right. So I, I was thinking that maybe the people's – I would love to see the, a graph, a map of opinion of Daylight Savings Time and their geography of where they are. maybe Pittsburgh's like a sweet spot or maybe I'm just different. Maybe you don't feel the same way, but you also don't spend as much time outside in the summertime as I do. So you might not be represented. I like it
1: to be dark at nine, but that's personal preference to me.
0: Um, Groucho from the beer report lives in Pekin, Illinois, and they didn't do daylight savings time until a couple of years ago. They're on the extreme West edge of Eastern standard time. Uh So, on June 21st, it probably does not get dark until close to 10 o'clock out there.
1: Mm-hmm. I think about my sister who is in Boston. This is in the way mm-hmm. way eastern end of the, uh, Eastern Standard time. so uh when you know in the winter, when it gets dark early, it gets dark. i early.
0: I went to New York City the week before Christmas, uh-huh. so over the solstice one year for some training and I could not believe it's like four Oh five and dark.
1: Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I guess, you know, to, to, to elaborate on my first point, it's clear. It doesn't do what it's advertised is supposed to do. You know, Save energy, all of this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Right.
0: The only, so I was surprised and I'm still surprised when I read so many, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, no, you, no, but no, it's, it's fine. tight. Uh, I was surprised when I first heard this and I was still surprised today, this morning when I was reading articles that people put so much stock in the energy savings because my entire life I've put stock in, Hey, I'm playing outside at quarter to nine in June and it's still light out. You know, that's
1: great. But that's the only real benefit is, is the, is the psychological effect I think and, and the the personal and, and the way people feel about it, which is, to be fair enough uh, for a lot of things. And it may be enough for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't, I, I just think that from a, from a realistic standpoint, it doesn't solve any of the problems it's, it, it's there to solve. Uh, it, it invents a new problem, a bunch of new problems to make people happier. Now that's fine. Mm-hmm. If it does actually make people happier, uh, I suppose that's questionable, and I suppose that is based on where you are. But but then we get into weird questions about time, anyway. Uh,
0: the um, well, we talked about this a little bit ago, but there's been studies about whether you like the productiveness of people who live on the eastern edge of the time zone versus the western edge of the time zone. I can't remember the results, but you know it really matters. Mm-hmm. You know, think about like okay. Um December 21st, right? You're in New York City or Boston or even Maine, and it's getting dark like at like 4 o'clock. Yeah, well, I, right? I will and admit... And then when you're in Pekin, Illinois, it's not getting dark until like 5.25.
1: I will admit, November, December, it is kind of a bummer that you get into work, you're going into work and it's dark, and you get out of work and it's dark. And... Especially us. I mean, we're in a building all day. We don't. Right. Well,
0: so when I had the job in the mine,
1: uh huh. Yeah, yeah.
0: Where no windows underground, um, I took that job in October. And so I took a job that was 45 uh, minutes away. And I took a job when we went out of daylight savings mm-hmm. time and never saw. The sun during the day because yeah. it was a long walk to get to outside right. and there's no windows, no skylights. I felt like all I did was um, drive, work, eat and sleep, uh-huh. you know, until I got used to it. But it was awful. It was the worst time of the year to take that job. Yeah. So, you know, that's the extreme of what you're saying where you're going to work in the dark or coming home in the dark and and whatnot. but i mean that's just a latitude thing you need to move south if you want more daylight in the winter
1: yeah yeah it, it, and and ultimately there there there's questions about how we make time fit our time zones themselves are kind of weird anyway so mm-hmm. it's I, it, there there's a movement i don't think it'll gain much traction this movement to move everything to just a standard gmt time uh and over over two or three generations, that would be fine because after you know after a while people will just be used to yeah I, I would I expect it to be noon at three a m uh, it, it's- that, that
0: would be so my question that's interesting i never heard this i'm thinking about the implicate impl- implications right, and there is so think about Celsius versus Fahrenheit right yeah. you know everyone who lives in the United States has become acclimated to this gut feel. Like I say 73 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what that feels like on your skin, right? If you go to GMT time for people, if you always lived in the same place, the same longitude, you have that acclimation. But as soon as you change your longitude, your gut feel is completely out of whack, right? You You would have to learn a whole new what 12 o'clock is.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like... or
0: like what time wake up time is, you know, because like you know, right now across America, wake up time is six to eight. I mean, you you're know, talking to a person the...
1: who was just in San Francisco, who just was, you know, but three still, hours but
0: you were on a clock where you still had to wake up around eight o'clock, or seven o'clock, or whatever.
1: But it was not my seven o'clock.
0: But you didn't have to learn, or you didn't have to set your computer to say. My wake up time is at 2:41 a.m. because <laughs> that's, that's
1: a very specific time.
0: Well, but you know because GMT is whatever, you know. It, Do you wake up at 7:41 a.m.? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, that wasn't the main point of the thing. It's you you when you travel I just tried to point that out. Yes. When you travel, you still generally wake up Around the same number, yeah,
1: yeah. there's a usefulness there. I agree,
0: right? Yeah. And if everyone was on the same time zone where you'd travel, you would have to do this whole mental translation. Yeah. Like when I say it is 23 degrees out Celsius, uh-huh. you have to spend a few cycles saying 23 like is 80, a 80 something, something. Yeah. yeah, but you don't know if it's low 80s or high 80s, right?
1: <laughs> yeah it's true uh yeah, the celsius unit i don't really have a good idea and, and i like fahrenheit because it ha- it has more granularity it has uh, i think that's well, nice 23.6 yeah there you I, go i i th- i think that that the granularity is really nicer temperature um I, I think Fahrenheit. I think Fahrenheit, in terms of a scale, in terms of what it's based on, it's 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 silly. But in terms of, of its usefulness, I think it actually has more usefulness. Just like how daylight as a human temperature. Just like how
0: daylight savings, you know, so many people argue that it's based on energy savings, yeah. and I feel it's just yeah. based on let's play outside. Um, Fahrenheit. My opinion of what the Fahrenheit scale is based on. I've never really seen this validated anywhere, but my idea was. No negative numbers and have most of the temperatures you experience be between, you know, be under 100, right? Yeah. So they set these arbitrary bounds, mm-hmm. you know, where you almost will never experience a negative number and you will almost never experience a number over 100 right? and set the scale in there. That kind of logic makes sense to me it clicks but i've never heard anyone say that's the reason fahrenheit was set the way it was no
1: i i I think they're 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 very equivalent the daylight savings have in fahrenheit in terms of they're they're there as a more um conceptually human thing yeah
0: i'm just like i said i'm just surprised because if you would have asked me why the fahrenheit scale is the fahrenheit scale I would tell you what I just said. Yeah, I've never seen any scientist say that. Yeah, which boggles my mind. Like, but that's so logical. That's what Mister Fahrenheit did. It Has to be. Why else would he do this? But no one's ever said that that I've and, seen.
1: Uh, okay, so so let's go on. Let's do this this, this face time. Oh vision.
0: oh yeah. Let's do it. Let me go potty now. All
1: right. All right, so uh, you might need to turn me up here. Uh, so this is from PBS Spacetime. Uh, there are two questions in this one. I'm only going gonna, gonna to stop it when we get to the conceptual question because the math question, who cares? Okay. Um, the conceptual question is more interesting anyway.
2: This week, we have a challenge episode for you. We've been talking about the Big Bang Theory a lot recently, and the most important piece of evidence for this theory is the cosmic microwave background radiation it tells us that the universe was once most certainly much smaller, hotter and denser than it is today. The photons of the cosmic background radiation were released when the universe was around 380,000 years old and had just cooled down enough for the hydrogen plasma that filled the universe to become hydrogen gas. Free electrons were captured by protons to form the very first atoms. In the process The distance that the average photon could travel went from not very far to greater than the length of the entire observable universe. When we look at the CMB today, we really are looking at the universe from 13.7 billion years ago. We're looking at an ocean of orangey red-hot plasma that would later collapse into galaxies and people and stuff. Okay, here are some episodes on the CMB for you to review today. I have two questions for you about how far those CMB photons actually traveled. The first one is purely conceptual and requires no math, while the second most definitely requires math. Choose only one to answer. The advantage of trying the harder one is that you'll be competing against <laughs> fewer people, but that won't help you if you get it wrong. So here we go. The universe was much smaller when the CMB light was emitted. In fact, All of those blobs of plasma were a mere 43 million light years away from the patch of space that would later contain the Milky Way. Back then, this patch of space just contained a slight overdensity of plasma that looked pretty much the same as the rest of those blobs. However, the light from the CMB had to travel a lot further than those 43 million light years to reach this patch of space because it was traveling through an expanding universe. By the time it reaches us, Right now, the universe has expanded so that the galaxies and clusters that those blobs evolve into are now 1100 times further away, giving us an observable universe that's 93 billion light years across. So first question, what physical distance did that light from the CMB travel through an expanding universe to reach us today? Seriously. No math required. Okay, and the mathy. Equ- All right. So, oh, okay. So,
0: he, the the universe became transparent thirteen point seven billion years ago. Right? No,
1: no, thirteen point seven billion years ago. Thirteen point eight was when the universe began. When 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 the universe changed from its uh from, went through its phase transition and and, and the Big Bang occurred. What he is talking about is recombination. Which is when? So the universe was this basically this very hot, dense plasma. Uh, uh, although "dense" is not really the best term for it, but because uh, it was probably less dense than than, than like most vacuums we could make. But anyway, things couldn't, light couldn't travel. He said, he said the hydrogen
0: plasma. It was so hot. The universe the photons was so... could travel starting thirteen point seven billion years ago.
1: Though. No, thirteen point seven was when the universe began. But then it was like two. It was about three hundred fifty thousand years later. So roughly, I it's thought so, it, it
0: was fourteen and like, fourteen or
1: point eight is 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 the is the universe is when it began, okay, thirteen point seven or thirteen point eight. 3, the, the newest uh, estimate is thirteen point eight, but thirteen point seven is fine. And then uh, 350, uh, 325, twenty five, three hundred fifty thousand years after that is when this event happened, when recombination happened, which is when it 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 got cool enough for. Atoms to form so that these photons could be released, and, and we say like instantaneously within ten or twenty thousand years, essentially. So that that period of time, which is essentially instantaneously on those scales, so you could still say thirteen point seven. It would really be more like thirteen point three.
0: <laughs> okay, so thirteen point three, but you can see ninety three billion miles across. So that's forty six each way.
1: Yeah. So again,
0: the question. So I'm surprised. Like, so I get it. I understand why you can see 93 billion light years across. Yeah, I was surprised that it was such a large number.
1: Well, the universe is also expanding. I, so yeah.
0: I yes, I understand that, but I would, if you would have had me guess the cross section that we can observe of the universe, I would have picked something a lot closer to 26 or 28 to. 40 billion as opposed to 96 billion you know i just didn't ex- i understand the expansion yeah, yeah. i just would not have picked a number nearly as large
1: well that, that's the whole thing with an exponential curve right this is expanding but the space mm-hmm. that space no. is also expanding no. and the space in there i'm it? not
0: saying i don't understand it yeah. i'm just saying i would have not picked a number nearly okay. as large
1: so the question is what physical distance of light from the cmb this 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 light that we're observing from the cosmological microwave background travel through an expanding universe to reach us today so the the if when we look at light for the cmb how far did that travel in physical space is the question
0: all right so you have a photon which is really close to us start traveling towards us Mm -hmm. but space-time between the photon and us keeps expanding, so it's it's almost running slower than the treadmill. And yes. It's starting to fall off the back end. Mm-hmm. Almost running slower than the treadmill,
1: but mm, it is.
0: But it it doesn't fall off the back end. It actually gets to us. It does, yeah,
1: it does actually get to us. So it doesn't quite fall off the back end. Yes, but at, at a certain past this distance, it does mm-hmm. fall off the treadmill. Right.
0: So it's able to stay on the treadmill long enough i get no Uh, maybe the treadmill so does the treadmill analogy work because it does
1: it does work if you consider the treadmill to be costly expanding yeah that's (laughs) (laughs) that's where it gets tricky that's why i thought the treadmill analogy didn't
0: exist didn't work (laughs) um I mean so the my first answer is that it has physically traveled forty six billion light years. Um or, or it's
1: ninety-six, so forty three, right? did I do my yeah. right? Yeah.
0: So it's a half the Oh it's ninety three, so forty six. Yeah, forty six point five billion light years. Mm-hmm. So that seems like the obvious answer. Let me see if I can figure out why. Let me talk myself out of the great okay. a- the all correct right. answer, like I did last time. Right? Should
1: I tell you what I think the answer is? Uh, give me a sec. Give me a sec. Okay. Give me a sec. Um,
0: I, I I don't see any gotchas. Why you wouldn't count all the expanded universe between then and now? Okay
1: yeah so to me the, the answer is 46 billion because we're talking about the surface of less scattering, right which is essentially a, a we can consider it a sphere that expanded around us from when this happened. Mm-hmm. and so we're constantly receiving that information, but that sphere is constantly growing. so how long how much physical distance did it take? the physical distance to the surface of last scattering, which is 46 billion light years. Right. As far as I can tell, that's that's the answer.
0: Yeah, I, it seems it seems too easy. I mean, it, like, why would Mr. PBS Space Time ask the question? It doesn't <laughs> seem hard at all. Uh
1: because you can you can easily tie yourself in knots by thinking, well maybe well from the photons perspective did it travel at all? Uh from the um But it's catching up to
0: earth which is racing away from it from its perspective right i mean so i mean its perspective it's still traveling 46 billion miles yeah yeah earth is racing away from it because space time keeps
1: yeah
0: i mean but it doesn't know space time's expanding it just sees earth moving away from
1: it right right you're exactly right well sort of you're almost exactly right (laughs)
0: It it actually makes it it's it's more intuitive to a human from the photons perspective than from Earth's perspective.
1: Yeah, but photons don't have perspective. But that, that, so, I did I did want to talk about reference frames. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of get into that because you, we we can't define a reference frame for a photon, right? Um, and I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. the reason why we can't define a reference frame for a photon is because reference frames are defined by the fact that photons... Well, photons, photon, everything happens
0: instantaneously for a photon. Is that the answer? Is the fo- Is it that it no. takes no time for a photon because the, photon has no time? The,
1: because this is a physical distance that light oh, okay. traveled distance. through an expanding universe. So we're talking about So it about just a did
0: physical... 46.5 billion light yeah, years in no time at all.
1: Well, in its fr- perspective. From... If you could say the photon has a perspective, which you can't, uh, because we don't have a way to, to, to make that work, uh, then the photon doesn't see time, doesn't see space. So it's everywhere at once. It's, well, but that's the thing. We, there's no real way to conceptualize that. Uh, it's, uh, it's instantaneously created and then destroyed. Uh,
0: but for this thought experiment, you it actually I if you it doesn't break anything to put yourself in the passenger seat with the foot. Right, right, yeah. And that actually shows the Earth is zooming away from you because space time is expanding and you're trying to catch it. hmm And that's why it takes forty six billion light years.
1: That's that's as far as I know, as far as I can tell, that is the exactly the right answer. So it's traveled forty six billion light years and- in 13.7 0.7 billion, billion light years. No, it traveled 46.7 it traveled 46 billion light years in 13.7 so billion years in years, yes. That's a fun one to think about, right? From and we should say the 13.7 billion years is from our perspective. as
0: opposed
1: to as opposed to, let's say something is moving very, very fast relative to us, oh. then the universe watching might, the whole thing. Then the universe might seem a lot, might seem to have 100. taken a lot less time or a lot. You know, so so right. it's from our perspective, oh, sure, using... you
0: would only use. We learned, we learned already. Only yeah. talk about the two things in the yeah. ex- in the yeah. observation. You don't have a third party watching it. Uh, that just fucks things up. Yeah. Uh,
1: so so well, my question for you is about reference frames. Okay. How would you define an inertial reference frame? What what comes to mind? What what makes what what does that mean when I say an inertial reference frame? Not not I'm not trying to make you feel dumb. I'm not trying to quiz you. No, I'm you. trying to to see what what you have in your mind when you, when I say the reference Um
0: okay, so let me try to figure this out. So what I'm imagining is um so okay, so I am on a spaceship. Be it a spaceship or Spaceship Earth, or Photon Z. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting in the passenger seat beside this photon, whatever. I would probably have to... Now, gut feel, just fleshing this out, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of this um, expanding sphere around me from t0 or something like that right it's you know like so okay reference frame starts at t0 and then from there t plus whatever is this expanding sphere going out and the things i can observe or receive you know inside this sphere okay uh, as time progresses that's kind of where
1: i'm i see where you're coming from let, let me put it into a slightly different ways so, so that you may be able to 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 get at what i'm trying the what i'm looking for or at least uh,
0: the, the right answer.
1: Not the right answer, but, but the right conception. Um, if I were to say you're on a spaceship, how would you define some other... How would you tell whether some other frame you're looking at is an inertial reference frame or not? Some other frame... that, like, I'm If you're looking gonna... at something else, how could you say whether that's an inertial fr- reference frame, that's not an inertial reference frame?
0: Uh, I would say everything is an inertial reference frame and nothing is not an inertial reference frame. Okay. Is that... Okay. So that's... I don't understand the question how something could not be from what I'm imagining. Okay.
1: So the idea from, uh, from, from Newton and really going through kind of to special relativity is an inertial reference frame is a frame... And when we say frame, we mean basically a a, you know, a, a, a point in space, like you said. So, but uh, where the laws of inertia hold. Okay, so where um, there, another, a one way to look at this is where if you were to let go of something into space without any other forces on it, it would simply stay there so there's no apparent other forces in an inertial reference frame so an accelerating frame is not an inertial reference frame okay because there's an ex- there, there's a force there's there's a there's a fictitious force pushing on it right if you if you have a box mm-hmm. and you and that box is accelerating then something is going to like whatever is going to hit the edge of that box so it's going to have a force being pushed on it whereas if you have a box with something inside of it Inertial reference frame, according to no, so
0: nothing with force being added to it, so things can be moving about, but it's after the force has been added that you're observing it.
1: Well, things can move about by their own volition, right? If they have a thruster on them or something. But if if you're looking at like a box and considering whether that is an inertial reference frame or not, then the idea would be: Does the law of inertia hold? If you just release something, will it just stay there? Are there no other forces Okay, but forces what acting if
0: you up? discover, okay, so you have a meteor orbiting the sun, right? Meteor, and it's not
1: accelerating. It is accelerating if it's orbiting. Acceleration is vector. So it has a direction and a magnitude. Since it changes direction constantly, it's accelerating. Okay.
0: I'm okay. So I was meaning like you're not putting energy into it. It's kind of just doing its thing cuz the energy was already gathered.
1: Yeah. This is it gets this is not a right. easy concept to get. This okay. is
0: so so you know, okay, so you start your experiment and you you're watching Mr. Meteor and he's moving about in his orbit because of energy he gained 4 billion years ago. Mhm. When he, you know, um, coalesced into his meteor and accreted around the sun and whatnot, and uh, but so he's accelerating because he's every 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 bit of the observation he's changing direction, For and I guess energy. he's changing speed depending on part of his orbit, um, relative and to the forces else. of of the the forces of the major body that he's orbiting. You know, let's wor- not worry about all the other bodies that are coming into play. You
1: see why this quickly gets complicated. Sure.
0: So, okay, how do you have an inertial reference frame with everything else that's out there?
1: This is where it gets very interesting because in general relativity, inertial reference frames are redefined such that an inertial reference frame is uh, a frame that is moving on a geodesic through space-time. It gets complicated to to explain totally what that means, but what that really means is that there are no inertial reference frames. There are
0: no... Well, I mean, that's kind of the conclusion. Yeah. I, the question I just yeah. asked you, right? Yeah. It sounds like there shouldn't be any inertial reference frames.
1: There, there are only inertial reference frames from the same perspective that you have, but there are no universal inertial reference frames. Um, so there's no frame that you can say, this is what we can compare ourselves to.
0: So right now I'm feeling like you asked me about unicorns and now you're telling me there's no unicorns.
1: Uh, in a way, I did uh but my point was more to to illustrate than it was to challenge it was to say you know if you think about this concept which really comes in very very handy inertial reference frames where you're talking about frames and especially special relativity, even just newtonian and 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 Galilean, Galilean relativity, it comes in very handy to to look at reference frames um and then when you realize that when you start to generalize this concept, it starts to fall apart. Okay. Uh, so I, I
0: guess, but the part I'm stuck with is you're like, Hey, you know, those unicorns tell me all you know about unicorns. Whoa. And then you're like, fooled you. There is no unicorn. Well, think
1: about this. Okay. So I have a cork in my hand and I'm going to let it go. And it drops. Now, this makes perfect sense to us. There is this force of gravity that is pulling this down. Right? From the cork's perspective, it's experiencing something very different. It's experiencing a force holding it up. My hand. I'm letting it go. It finds itself in an, what it considers to be an inertial reference frame and this table is rushing at it is rushing towards it at 9.8 meters per second per second so the idea is that when you get to general relativity acceleration of something and gravity are equivalent they're the same thing I hear
0: you. What I'm thinking about right now, it just you know we it's 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 a side panel I'm pondering right, and it's good. This is I did not want, but it's not it's not it's not deep. It's it's no. I I know the answer to it, but or I know I feel like so you know okay. So instead of a quark, you have a person, right? You're holding a person up there. You drop the person. He doesn't really feel that the table is rushing towards him. Because of all his, from his perspective, and he can see mountains and everything, he's falling towards the earth. He knows he's falling mm-hmm, towards the mm-hmm. earth. He doesn't feel the earth rushing towards him. And and I was just pondering that.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. No, absolutely. Because he's used to it. But think about this. Put him, and this is what Einstein did, put him in a box. Mm-hmm. So he can't see outside.
0: Can't see the majority of your reference points.
1: Oh, all right. he knows is inside yeah. a box, yeah. and the box gets released. All of a sudden, he's there's no forces acting on him, right? And then suddenly, one of the parts of the box rushes towards him. And he doesn't yeah, know where it's going to yeah. come from.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, because when you're falling from a, an airplane there's the, there's so much of what you see must be the zero state, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the human brain interprets. So putting them in the box, it's a, it's a good way to flip that, right? Right. And, and kind of take that um, prejudice that, that human state out of, out of it. Yeah, that's good. You know, that's the thing I was pondering. I, I mean, it's not like the answer is new to me. It's just more of the psychology.
1: Exactly. The point was not for me to be to to, to tell you something new, but to yeah. But I was pondering the human
0: psychology of part yeah. of it, right? Yeah. And like, you know, because you're talking about a cork, and you're like, yeah, the cork sees the table rushing at it, but if it was a person, the person wouldn't see the table rushing at it. The person would feel like he
1: was falling. But the the, the that's the very that's the beautiful and and cool and, and ridiculous thing about. <laughs> when you get to the point where you understand what what gravity is that it's not it it's the same thing as something accelerating <laughs> towards you it, it is the equivalent is the equivalent thing so you could say that you don't fall down the earth rushes towards you
0: yeah it's just it's because of our because we're experiences. tiny, experiences. Because we're tiny, and the earth is because, big. Because of our experiences, yeah. If you, uh, I'm trying to think like, take the analogy of getting hit by a car, and turn that into a falling analogy. And like, I'm trying to picture that. It, it, it still doesn't work, right? Like my my experiences doesn't allow that to to make sense. Like, well,
1: it sort of does. Okay, if you think about, and you're in a car, and you're staying still. You feel, you, you feel well, this force actually of...
0: being in a car is a little more like being in the box, but I was talking more like getting hit by a car, like you're a pedestrian getting hit by a car.
1: Right, but let, let me sort of let me bring this to a, a slightly different interpretation. Maybe this will make sense, then, then you can extrapolate from that. Okay, so you feel a force pulling down on you, gravity, when you're in the car. The car is not moving. You're not moving, as far as you're concerned, relative to the Earth. All you feel is you feel the you feel gravity pulling down you. That's it. That's holding to the Earth. Now you start to accelerate. Mm-hmm. And you're pushed back towards your chair. At the same time, you also feel the pull of gravity pulling right. down. So what you're feeling is actually two The force arrows forces. going this way. Right. right. You, you're you're yeah. adding those two vectors, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a vector of force going down. And you have a vector of force back, going backwards. But then there's so, a ratio
0: of the two which...
1: And you get some arrow that's sort of pointing you down and back. Mm -hmm. Sure. Those are both fictitious forces because what you're feeling is something accelerating against you. Sure. I was thinking of... And so the, the hitting the wall is the same thing. You're feeling the wall accelerate at you
0: right the thing i was the the, the scenario is playing through my head right you're standing on a street car hits you right okay so now the cars the alternative is the car is leaning up against a wall and you're falling off the top of a building and you hit the car
1: right so the, 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 You hit the
0: front bumper of the car because the car's, like, up on its, like, standing. Like, the car's wheels are up against the side of a building. Okay. And you jump off the roof, right? And you hit the front bumper of the car. And that's analogous to you standing on the road and the car
1: hitting you. Yep. And I am just... Assuming the car is accelerating at 9.8 meters per second per second.
0: Well, actually, it's whatever speed it actually hits you at, right? Just, just it doesn't the car doesn't have to be accelerated the car hits you at twenty miles an hour. you okay, jump yeah. from a height that you hit the car at twenty miles an hour, whichever you know
1: well the the height the the acceleration
0: the, before you actually impact doesn't matter as long as you hit with the same amount of force It matters in terms of
1: what the ultimate force will be when you impact
0: well, sure, but okay, a car hits you at thirty five miles an hour. You jump off, you jump out of the right window of the building, so you hit the car at thirty five miles an hour sure, so the acceleration oh, doesn't matter it's the the force at the impact, mm-hmm. right your speed at impact well
1: let me change it does matter because what you feel is an instantaneous acceleration when you hit the car right you don't you're falling and you don't feel anything, you don't have any acceleration mm-hmm. until. The car hits you, and then suddenly there is an acceleration on you. Okay. And that acceleration, the instantaneous acceleration is 35 miles per hour, uh, per 35 miles per hour at that instant into your ribcage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: The uh, yeah, but I'm I'm just playing the two experiments mm-hmm. through, and it's really hard for human experience to to make them feel the same. Yeah. Like they don't feel the same. I know they're the same, but they don't feel the same.
1: No, you can you can mind it into it's the same, but yeah, it doesn't feel the same. It's not the same. It is the same. No, it's not the same. It's not the same. It is the same. It's not the same. The beautiful thing is is realizing it's the same, and then realizing how weird that is. That it's the same, and yet, like you say, it can't be the same. It can't be the same. But it is. It
0: can't be. No, that, that's the fun I'm having right now. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to, like, distill this thing down so it seems exactly the same. And while I know it is, it doesn't seem the same.
1: Yeah. It's math, man. It's yeah. physics. Stupid humans. Why <laughs> can't we be more like photons? <laughs>
0: Anything else? That's it. All right. Look at that. We still got two hours before we lose an hour.
1: (laughs) Have a good daylight savings time, everybody. For the next eight months.
0: Yay. Yay.